Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by a gentleman from Washington, D.C., from the United States of America, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Diva Nagula. Dr. Diva Nagula, a very, very warm welcome to you, sir. Paul, thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be on your show today. And I believe today uh, we're going to be talking, I mean, obviously you are a doctor, but you've also been a patient. So, you know, let's put those two words together. Very appropriate title of your book. From doctor to patient, started on this journey. Yeah, so I released this book um, in December of 2018. And the title actually has two uh, meanings. So from doctor to patient, it's actually a story about me, the doctor, turning into a patient. And secondly, it um, the whole journey that I describe in my book is my journey from uh, when I was a young kid, and it works its way up through history as to how I got diagnosed of cancer, and then it leads me leads the readers to also understand my journey after diagnosis and what I've done to get into remission and what I'm doing after remission. That's one side of the story. The second side of the story is actually my advice as a doctor to the reader who I consider as a patient, um, advice on how to live life, advice on how to live a life in preventative care medicine, and to also to have ideas of what to do to attain well-being. And those are the kind of things that I go into my book um, and as well as the podcast that I have also released um, as of December of last year. Super. Thanks for that, David. One of the questions I've always wanted to ask a doctor, and I never have done, so if I may, I'd like to, to uh, to ask yourself, would you class yourself as a good patient? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a really funny question because I think uh, doctors are probably the worst patients because we <laughs> get in, in front of a doctor and we want the doctor whom we're talking to to basically listen to us and um, agree to our prescription for ourselves, which is the worst thing to do. Um, I've learned now um, that if I'm going to see a physician for any reason at all, I'm going to surrender and I'm going to truly be the patient. But is it fair to say, listen to you, you speak there, Diva, that there's been a, a little bit of work that's needed to be put in to actually um, enable that tran- transition. Is, is that a fair comment? It is. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, and I think as physicians, we have the, the ability to learn about the bodies um, we, because we've studied this in medical school. And though we're not practitioners of every discipline that there is in medicine, we feel like we can um, research and be up to date through uh, peer-reviewed journals, through textbooks, through magazines, and we feel we can have the, enough knowledge to facilitate our own care. Um, that's kind of the mentality of most physicians. 
So when going into a doctor's room nowadays is like, okay, I have to surrender because I have to think to myself, the physician is much better trained in the field of medicine that I'm going to see them for. And I'm just going to have to uh, understand that they have a lot of clinical expertise, a lot of knowledge and years of experience that I don't have. Mm. By having that, by having that menta- mental frame, I'm able to go in with an open mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to play a little bit, a bit of devil's advocate here, if I may, and say, um, and I fully embrace that and understand that inner work, you know, that we do that on the journey that we go through. But I, I can only imagine, and this is a generalization, that when our friend the ego steps in and said, yeah, but do you know what? I mean, you know, as a irrespective of, you know, whether a medic, we're a medical professional or, or whatever we are, we're kind of, I think we all live life. Um, I know that, that's a big sweeping statement. We all live life. But, you know, there's a tendency for us to live life as believing we are the experts, isn't it? Even though, you know, because of the, because of our friend, the ego. So I suppose what I'm trying to say here, as well as well as the the physical side of the cancer, there was obviously a very strong transitional journey that took place there about the more emotional, the more mental, the more uh, psychological side of things. Um, and I think that 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 unfolds for all of us, doesn't it? When we when we face with those life with those life threatening challenges, right? Um, and that's where we really have to understand that that inner voice in our head is really our ego, mm-hmm. and knowing that once we un- identify that that inner voice is in in our head is our ego, we actually take a bit of a spiritual awakening, so to speak. Uh, because we know that okay, that is not me. That is just that voice in my head is not me. That is just my ego. Though we don't want to have a adversarial ad- adversarial relationship with our ego, because it is there to protect us. It is mm-hmm. there to um, you know keep us from being in harm's danger. And however, it doesn't mean that we should be plagued by the thoughts in our head. And that can haunt us and prevent us from doing good and prevent us from um, also connecting with others and also from trusting in others. And I, that was really the um, awakening that I had and the growth that I've had after my diagnosis. And, and start, when I was writing my book, I came to the realization that in order to really achieve well-being, it's really a balance of mind, body, and spirit. And I unfortunately only concentrated on the body and somewhat of the mind because the two are interrelated, but I did not address my spirituality and the spiritual side of, of the trio. And until I, I and the moment that I realized this voice in my head was not me, but it was my ego, then, I, then that was the tipping point for me where I was like, oh, wow, it was just like a, a light bulb went over in my head. I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting thought. What do we do now? <laughs> so. And that's that's kind of how I um, put the three pieces together in terms of my healing. And I, I feel that my spiritual awakening um, was huge for me. And it transformed a lot of things um, for me in terms of getting out of my head and, and centering around uh, my awareness around my heart. And and that was huge for me because I when I was in, with cancer, um, I went through an ordeal where um, I had a lot of mistrust in my own um, home with my my ex-wife and as well as with other people 
Um, and I just basically became an isolationist and I was not around people and I had this tremendous distrust. And so my ego was protecting me from all this pain and hurt that I was, uh, that I was feeling when I was going through this can cancer and when I was going through treatment. And so it was protecting me. So years later, I was still in that isolationist mode because I, it, it was protecting me from being hurt. And then I realized later that I need to be part of a community and I need to develop, you know, friendships because we are on this earth to bond with people. We're not meant to be alone. And that realization was huge. Um, even though my ego didn't like that, I had to take baby steps. Um, I, I couldn't go out there to parties and huge gatherings because that was too much for me. So I had to like build small friendships and take it slow. And then ultimately, um, I started to become part of a community. And then my ego was so much more um, calm because I had a kind of a negotiation with my ego. I'm like, okay, I know you don't want me to go to these parties because there's too much for me to handle, but let's just take baby steps and get myself connected with a few people at a time and work my way up. So that's for me um, was huge in my spiritual growth. Mm, thank you. So when we, I mean, to give the book, the book its full uh, title, what we're talking about here is from doctor to patient, healing cancer through mind, body and spirit, isn't it? And is it fair to say that the, uh, the type of cancer, I mean, you actually re uh, reached stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, didn't you? That is correct. Yeah. And, and in fact, it was uh, almost, um, wow, it was almost six years to the day where I was actually diagnosed, February 12th, 2014. So, yeah. Wow. So on the, um, on the, um, as part of your, your notes, uh, you refer to something, um, Diva, called medical crash courses. What does that mean? Yeah. So those are my, um, tidbits or tips or advice that I offer for the reader. And that's kind of the doctor to the patient um, uh, type of theme that I, I was been playing in this book as I was writing it. And it essentially it offers a lot of uh, different tips about specific medical terminology, um, discussions about various parts of medicine that people aren't familiar with, where I go into details and dive into specifics with definitions and examples and I also provide um, uh, examples that have research and science behind it. Um, and it's, it's just my way of um, trying to um, talk to the patient rather than talk at the patient, in this case, the reader. Hmm. You also state, Diva, around uh, your, your challenges being a non-traditional battle with cancer. What does that mean? So I employed... Um, a an array of treatments for myself um, obviously I had to go through chemotherapy which is the traditional way of uh, treating cancer however um, I also employed different strategies um, to enhance my own body to fight the cancer and um, and this is what I've been doing now is I've been using alternative means um, of of, of, of fight to fight cancer. And these alternative means aren't off the wall types of issues. We're talking about eating healthy, eliminating processing, processed foods, eliminating sugars. Uh, we're talking about getting adequate sunlight, you know, to optimize our vitamin D levels in our system to enhance our immune system. 
Um, and if, if we're not in areas or if we're in seasonal areas where we're not able to see sunlight or get enough sunlight, then, you know, supplementation with vitamin D is something that we should be able to um, uh, go out and, and consider for ourselves. Um, these are just like a few of the simple things that I offer, um, you know, as suggestions in my book. But additionally, these are things that I utilize for myself um, to attain optimal well-being. Um, the other things that I really do is um, I try to do, I try to engage in some sort of meditative practice. Um, and there's so many different ways of uh, meditating. But for me, it's really um, a way of cleaning out my head and just kind of clearing it and quieting it so that I can be more present in the moment. And that's a part of a mindfulness practice that I've, uh, I've also utilized for myself in trying to optimize my, my health. Mm. I mean, I, I personally um, I've never experienced cancer directly. I mean, my, my late mother died of cancer at the age of 64. Um, that's, yeah, there is cancer in my family, but uh, so my, that's my kind of experience of it. But one of the things that intrigues me is, and, and certainly to be able to ask a, a medical professional like yourself, Diva, around, you know, why it's important to approach this. Because I have this kind of conversation with so many different people, different cultures, backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic, you know, real diversity. There's a real strong message coming through now about this more holistic approach rather than, dare I say, just the traditional approach towards cancer. I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, that's kind of certainly something that you've embraced, isn't it? Yeah. So holistic is one avenue. So there, there are different avenues in terms of um, treating a patient. You can go through the traditional, which is, you know, allopathic medicine or osteopathic medicine, you know, where um, pharmaceuticals are, are traditionally the mainstay of treatment. Or you could go to an integrative approach, uh, which combines alternative therapies and traditional therapies and utilizes it as one in terms of treating the patient. I, I espouse this method ex because it's, it's not an extreme. You know, it's not where uh, allopathic medicine is, is followed by up to 100% and you essentially people that are staunch proponents of allopathic medicine state that anything that's outside of allopathic, allopathic medicine is woo-woo and doesn't have any merit. On the flip side, you have people that espouse holistic medicine and naturopathic medicine. Um, and, and those strategies, they are strict and they feel that allopathic medicine is tainted because pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies have tainted the, uh, uh, the industry of healthcare in the, in the Western sense. So they both have their you know, corners where they can stay. But I tend to believe that there's a blend and it's the best of both worlds. I feel that that's the best way to um, address and treat illness for patients. I had a wry smile then, Diva. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear that term, woo-woo. When, when you said there, woo-woo doesn't have any merit. What I mean, what's your, what's your own thoughts around that? You know, and, and there are things that are out there um, that are kind of left field. You know, there are people who, you know, that are, are body workers, energy workers, and there are practitioners in each discipline that are out in the left field. And there are practitioners in each discipline that have merit and do really good stuff, but have science behind it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm advocating is, 
everything has its place, but if there's science behind it, it even it holds up to some the validity standards um, that I, I I aspire to as a scientist, you know, and and that's that's where I'm all about. Um, you know, if there's something that's uh, has a claim to treat a patient or treat illness, well, let's see let's see the science behind it. Let's see the research behind it. I mean, that's that's really uh, the traditional ways of um, uh, seeing whether a specific therapy is better than another therapy. I suppose, um, yeah. I mean, what what's coming through to me there, Diva, is what, when you were saying that was, you know, this constant sort of perceived polarization between being and doing. You know, the being being the woo woo and the doing, as you say, the more scientific, pragmatic. Um, you know, just get on with it. Does it stand up? You know, where's the stats? Where's the records? Where's the proof? Um, and you know, I mean, I can. I suppose as individuals, we're all responsible for our own um, our own path. And for me, it is it is a balance. I think life. I think nature. I think everything is a balance, and, and we can play our part in that by the way we think. So it's interesting to have this this kind of physical focus debate around something like cancer, and then you know, as we've already. Um, alluded to one or two aspects just well skim the surface really I suppose that more psychological importance and that's what you've embraced isn't it the psychological importance of it all yeah I mean it's it's there's different aspects of cancer or illness that we have to face um, there's the physical there's and then there's the the mental focus and the, and that's that's you know we what I had really wished was if I was to do this all over again um, was that I would actually have been in contact or referred to some sort of grief counselor or psychological counseling um, because I think it, I know it would have helped me with my marriage and I know it would helped me with my personal issues um, with shutting out people and me the physician I thought I knew best and I think that's just a, a, a testament of how I was trying to control my own health care as a doctor and I you know and and the physician who was seeing me probably thought I knew best um, that I would be able to reach out to a mental health specialist, but I didn't because I didn't feel like I needed it. And there was grief counseling associated with the oncology clinic that I was at, at Mayo Hospital, but I, I, I never, I, either I fell through the, the cracks or um, I just basically in my own mind felt I didn't need it. But I, it, we had never had that discussion with that onco with my oncologist and I strictly believe that it was because he felt I was either in the right frame of mind or I, or, or I put a good front where I, where I went to him and I was like, I felt like he saw me for a strong individual and not as the weak person that I was internally. Like I was crying for help. And I really feel that if you have a, a diagnosis of chronic disease or cancer, that I think you need to have a solid support group. Mm -hmm. I think that's imperative. Um, whether it's, you know, you go to a, a professional, um, a psychologist or, or um, you know, some sort of counselor, or if you have, you know, a strong support with your friends and family. And that all goes to the meaning of, you know, not being alone. You know, if it were where we as human beings are meant to be um, together, we're, we're supposed to support one another. We're supposed to be together. Um, uh, that's just very important for us. Um, for our personal, our, our growth and our mental well-being. Um, in fact, there was a study that showed that if um, 
that loneliness is as much of a risk factor in mortality as compared to smoking and alcohol usage. So it just tells you that being lonely is, 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 um, is, is, is a risk factor for disease. So for me personally, I was lonely and I didn't reach out to people and it really had an impact on my mental well-being. And mm -hmm. so and it's really important, not only in cancer, but I feel that any type of chronic disease, it, it needs to be addressed um, you know, on a regular basis when you go to the physician's office. I'd like to respectfully, doc, Dr. Diva, challenge that and take it a stage further. Whilst I wholeheartedly agree with what you've said, I'd like to, as I say, dig a bit deeper on that and say for all of us, and, and, and if I could be allowed to focus in on the more masculine energy within, uh, within us, um, within our listeners, to say that we don't need something like a chronic illness for us to reach out and embrace and accept and you know be part of families communities isn't that so isn't that a way of life that we should be and and you know that big oh that should where did that word come from should should have would have could have um but you know that we, we we'd be looking to embrace because the benefits of living that life generally irrespective of cancer or whatever it is is monumental it's a way of life that you know if i had a proverbial magic wand um to quote harry Seacombe, um if i ruled the world and i had a magic wand well i'd, I'd ping my magic wand uh, diva and all of a sudden the world wouldn't be a lonely place and we would be reaching out and that sort of what i call big boys don't cry that stubborn ego um, and I'll take total responsibility for talking about my own journey in that respect without casting aspersions on my fellow men. Um, but that more gentle and nurturing side that, that's in us needs to be in us and needs to be heard. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I don't, I don't feel, and if I did allude to the point where that you need to have a social backup or a social support system during uh, times of disease. I mean, that is essential, but you need to have a social support system all through life. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good idea to be lonely. And that's what I brought up that point about it being a risk factor for mortality. Mm. Um, so I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, if we could have a prescription for um, things that other than drugs, then I would love to have a prescription for, you know, uh, you know, social support system or social, you know, um, meetings of sort were because it's important and um obviously this is something that we as individuals um need to look at ourselves in our own life and really identify if we do have a good support system and you know our, and, and friendships and families and, and and things of that nature um because it's important for uh, for our well-being and for our personal growth absolutely diva as well as your um your book, from doctor to patient, you've uh, you've also got a podcast, haven't you? Yeah, I do. Um, um, it's called my podcast is also called from doctor to patient, and um, the it started out. I wasn't sure what it was going to be about. I just knew that I had to get out a podcast series to support the book, and essentially, it started out to discuss um, topics and subject matter that was specifically uh, found in my book, and I was going to find an expert in specific subject matter topics and to, and have a, a deep dive in these podcasts and it started out like that and, and it was really cool but then i realized that 
what was really missing is a discussion of healing modalities that are out there that people don't know about mm. and that are that have science and have merit but isn't um, espoused by Western medicine. And um, it's been fascinating to really talk with different people in their in their various respective fields and how much healing can be done through these different modalities that I discussed about. Um, and one of the modalities that I found that was amazing that I had had a recent podcast that I um, released was breath work. Breath work was just phenomenal. And, you know, it's such a simple tool and it allows to release trauma that's stored into our bodies, you know, over, you know, a few sessions. And um, the mechanic, the, the physiology of how it works is just fascinating. And um, I learned a lot when I was actually hosting this, this guest um, from Bali, actually, uh, on this podcast. But that's my mission right now is really to um, find various healing modalities that people aren't aware of and bring it to attention and um, obviously have science and research that, are, that back these specific modalities so that it isn't considered as uh, a woo-woo type of <laughs> a treatment modality. Mm. Um, just if, if I may, Eddie, but I just want to run down some of the, the fascinating titles. When I was, uh, you know, doing my research and looking into, um, you know, to your stuff and, and around your book, and it's like, wow, you know, as, as a fellow podcaster, these things, they're like, a, <laughs> they're like a beacon for me, and particularly, you know, with the line of work that I'm in as well. So if I can just short share sort of half a dozen of them, um, psychic healing using emotional freedom, Tapping EFT by Mary with with in conjunction with Mary Phelan, um, the secret healing power of EMDR, integrative psychedelics for healing and peak performance. Dr. Dan Engel using breath work. That's the one I believe with Ed, Edward Dangerfield. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Fixing your gut. Keys to unlock health, starting with digestion. And the one that really, really, uh, and I, you know, I'd love to invite you back, um, Dr. Diva, to talk about this one, um, if not the others as well. But this one particularly really caught my attention. Healing the body's energy system to create abundance of health, wealth and happiness. And that was in conjunction with a lady called Lisa Thomas, I believe. That's correct. That was one yeah. of my first ones that I released. Yeah, because what that one says to me, um, as the reader, is it's that holistic word again, isn't it? When we talk about health, wealth, and happiness. Right, right, and that's that's a very uh, holistic way of approaching um, healing. And again, you know, a lot of people might look at this as woo-woo, but again, um, there is some science behind it, and there's some success to what she does, um, and not only what she does, but what other people that are out there that practice in that same field of, of medicine, if you want to call it medicine. Um, it was just fascinating. And, and um, I'd love to have her come back on again, my podcast or yeah, uh, she'd be a great person to to have on as a guest. Very interesting and just a wonderful soul. Well, I think where we leave it there, uh, Dr. Diva, is potentially where we'll start it next time around. Um, but for the time being, I mean, towards the uh, at the very end, I want you to have the last word. And uh, but um, 
Yeah, I want to ask you a big question. But before I ask you that question, it's um, would you like to share with us uh, how people can reach out to you, your contact details, you know, j- just so people can reach out, um, you know, if any aspects of this conversation has resonated. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I can be reached um, through my website, which is from doctor to patient.com. And there you will find uh, weekly blogs that I release about healthcare and different modalities of healing. Um, you'll also be able to find my podcast from doctor to patient on my website, or you could also find it on Amazon. I'm sorry, on Spotify or um, on iTunes. And if you want more information, I know we were talking about my book. My book is actually on Amazon from doctor to patient healing cancer through mind, body, and spirit. And you can find that on any health category. Um, and uh, um, Barnes and Nobles and Books a Million. Super, thank you for the share. And those, uh, as ever, those details will be in the um, in the podcast episode show notes. So the big question, then, Doctor D, the, the big question, and I always set this scene. Drum roll. <laughs> your drum roll. Yeah. I always set the scene around this, um, you know, this um, lift elevator scenario where two people are about to get into a lift uh, to go up a level or or whatever. Yeah. And it's that proverbial thirty seconds. You get talking. Oh, you're a doctor, are you? Oh, blimey, cancer as well. Okay, so how 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 can I overcome cancer? Because my you know my second cousin removed, third aunt is brother's cousin. Uh, they've got cancer, and everybody wants a general fix, don't they? And in thirty seconds, obviously, you're not going to be able to give that. But in terms of answering that, how or that one vital piece of information, Doctor Diva, what would that be that you'd leave to the world? Yeah, the best way to avoid cancer is obviously to do a, in my opinion, these are a few things that I would offer to people. One is to eliminate processed foods and sugars. Uh, two is, is enroll in some sort of exercise movement program where you are walking and increasing the blood flow into your body and eliminating toxins. Uh, number three, and lastly, is to exercise your mental health. And by that meaning is, is, try to enroll in some sort of meditation practice where you can decompress from the day and essentially uh, turn off the brain and be more in the moment. Those are the three things that I feel if you can master that, you would be able to not only prevent cancer, but also many chronic diseases um, that are are like cancer. And you're going to be on your way to achieving well-being in no time. Super, very concise but very powerful. Thank you, Doctor Diva. So um, there we there we have it, listeners. Um, the very insightful Doctor Diva from Washington, um, sharing his his insights, his experiences, and all that remains now is for me to say: remember, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success. 